and welcome to Buildings of Tomorrow, a really exciting episode of Buildings of Tomorrow because today we're celebrating our 150th episode. And after 150 or 149 great conversations with many of our colleagues, we want to do something a little bit special. And that's why you find us here in this different setting. And I'm really excited to have three really exciting guests with me today to talk about sustainability in buildings and sustainability in infrastructure. So on my left, you see Emmanuel Bilad, who is the Director of Sustainability at Building Products. We have Michele Remanato, he is the head of IoT devices at Building Products, and Elisa Renka, who is the head of SaaS sales at Building Products. Thank you all for joining me. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So today we're talking about sustainability. Sustainability is such an important topic in today in our industry, but also in society as we look around and we recognize some of the challenges that we have uh, with global warming, uh, also with the energy crisis in Europe at the moment, but also globally. Sustainability, energy efficiency, decarbonization are all topics which we are talking about at a, regulate, a regulatory level, but also within governments, within society, within our daily lives. Uh, it's such an important topic that we need to know more, which is why we're here. Uh, Emma, is it okay if I call you Emma? Yes, yeah, sure. Perfect. Emma, let's start with you. Uh, you are the, the Director of Sustainability, so here is something, this is your, your life, this is your, your world from a work perspective. Give us a bit of an introduction. When we talk about sustainability, what do we mean? Yeah, so um, most of the time with sustainability and, and especially in the building uh, area, we are talking about decarbonisation. We will see also that we can also talk about material efficiency, that would be a second aspect. But let's focus first maybe on the decarbonization. Um, the climate change is uh, the issue that we have simply too much uh, CO2 in the atmosphere. So, so the main topic is really to reduce the CO2 that we have in the atmosphere or, or not uh, have even more emissions. And the, the first thing that we have to ask ourselves for the, for the, for the building is uh, about the energy efficiency topic. The, the best energy is definitely the one that we do not use or do not need. So that's, that's the first thinking about the, the, the built infrastructure is to reduce the energy consumption. And this is possible first um, if you're looking at, a, at a already an, an existing building uh, to first have a look at, okay, does it have a building management system? If, if yes, then there are already many maintenance that can be done to optimize the settings and, and, uh, and maybe uh, also put the settings one degree lower, but not only, simply optimize the way the building uh, management system is working. Um, if you don't have a BMS, then definitely a good idea to, to add one. Uh, because we know that we could be saving something between 20 and, and 50 percent just by having those sensors at the right place, uh, having, uh, I just give an example, uh, the ventilation in rooms that are occupied and the others just leave them uh, um, uh, very literally ventilated. So th these are the kind of, um, and, and heating uh, the same way. So these are the kind of very simple steps um, to, to reduce the energy. The second point uh, would be for the energy that you really need, uh, that would be decarbonize this energy. 
Um, so if you have um, the possibility to decarbonize changing for, uh, from oil or gas uh, heating system to, uh, to um, uh, electricity, so the electrification of the building and maybe even adding some uh, green electricity on the, on the rooftop, for instance, that could be a way to decarbonize the building and, and also add a bit more resilience. Uh, to, the, to the building. And then the third part, and I think it's uh, a reason why we, we also uh, have other colleagues uh, that are more specialists, obviously, is the digitalization uh, of the building. Um, uh, we, with really having the data that, that would give us the hints to correct, to optimize, and, and, uh, and, and uh, yeah. So that, that would be a good transition, I think. Perfect. So energy, <laughs> energy efficiency, decarbonisation, yes. and, and then bringing this digitalisation topic in. A question to you, Elisa, because you, you are here working in SAS, and, and when we talk about cloud-based opportunities, uh, analytics, uh, data-driven decision-making, you're out talking to the market about this every day. How important is this sustainability topic and decarbonisation when you're having those conversations? I mean, it's extremely important. And I think it's a topic that has kind of raised its head again. I think there was this first wave of sustainability goals and, and kind of this discussion. Then I feel there was a little maybe a slump. And now we are back again on another curve of, of really this being top of mind of, of customers. And it's really about this optimization topic. And actually, first, even before the optimization is to have that transparency on, you know, what is my consumption? And especially if you have a fleet of buildings, what is my consumption? How are my buildings performing against each other maybe in terms of energy consumption and costs and then how can I forecast that how can I optimize it and eventually then not maybe affect the user experience in the building negatively however still be able to optimize and eventually save costs as well so I think it is a big cost topic but it's also a balancing topic between this user experience and um, the let's say the environmental impact that you can create by optimizing the the energy consumption so it's uh, it's really a very interesting topic certainly top of mind um, for customers and and luckily we have a lot of things we can do on that area so uh, that's that's the positive yeah perfect you talked about the balance which I think is an important one you know there are the, there are a lot of statistics when we talk about we spend 90 percent of our lives and buildings and of course we recognize more and more as a society and an industry how important the the environment is when we're within these spaces but of course bringing more air uh, and and delivering that perfect environment is maybe not the most energy efficient so that balance is a really important topic uh, emma mentioned digitalization and here's a space where you work how do we see that conversation with those customers we know the topic's important uh, everyone's on board. This, this second wave is there. Sustainability drives much of what we do. How important from your perspective is digitalization in achieving those goals? I think digitalization is actually the driver of the second wave of the discussion because suddenly there are so many new opportunities that can be done also in brownfield buildings, not only greenfield. And I, I think this is what is really kind of um, making this excitement and buzz around, around the topic. Um, also, there's a lot of research that's proving that, that digitalization and sustainability really go hand in hand. For example, Harvard Business Review just recently had a survey where 96% of these kind of industrial decision makers were saying that digitalization is essential in driving sustainability goals. So uh, it is definitely linked to the sustainability topic um, very heavily and creates these new opportunities. Perfect. Michaela, let's bring you into this conversation because when we talk about digitalization, uh, Elisa mentioned transparency. 
And transparency only comes from understanding what's happening in every space, in every part of the building. Uh, and here, your team is working on not just devices which sit in these spaces, but leveraging that new technology, IoT, and this, this additional connectivity, which can feed many of these data-driven decisions, et cetera. How, how is that giving you and your team the opportunity to find new, new applications and new use cases to leverage this kind of technology? Uh, thank you for the question. Um, I think uh, this is a perfect space where we can use technology with purpose. So Internet of Things is breaking the barriers to make uh, the, all of these uh, solutions that we have had for a long time around energy efficiency, indoor air quality, energy optimization, available for pretty much any kind of building. So in the past, mainly large buildings were automated. Nowadays, we have solutions which are um, economically efficient for pretty much any kind of building, like a small school, a small hospital, a small retail center, as well as homes. And um, in this space, uh, we can use uh, Internet of Things, so interconnecting sensors, valves, actuators, controllers between each other, so that they can learn between each other. And uh, we have been working heavily in, first of all, interconnecting the things, there are a lot of ways nowadays that we can uh, use to interconnect things and then to use this data to optimize. Um, and I think here the best examples are around air, right? After we live in the post-COVID world, so uh, optimizing the quality of air in buildings is extremely important. We spend so much time inside the building um, optimizing uh, energy consumption. And there are so many ways uh, nowadays to optimize uh, by combining weather forecast with uh, blinds, lights, uh, and much more. And uh, also water, right? We also, there is a lot of water going through the pipes in the buildings, and that's also another space. Um, there are, of course, many more. So what we do is we really look at how all of these things can interconnect, how they can talk to each other, and how we can make sense out of the data that they generate to finally optimize the behavior of the building. And I think what is really exciting is that we could, not, we could do it pretty much really, again, for any kind of building. And so we can bring this across the entire building stock across the globe. Um, an interesting data is uh, only 10% of the total building stock around the world is automated. Imagine how much uh, we could optimize the demand uh, if we would uh, provide uh, IoT solutions for, for smart buildings across the world. So I'm really excited. <laughs> That's what we like to hear. I, I want to jump into the, the topic of those smaller buildings, those simpler buildings in a second, but Elisa mentioned before this new wave of sustainability. I think we can all recognise that a topic which is, let's say, the core of many of the pieces of our industry, many of, you know, when we talk about building automation, we're here because we wanted to be, drive efficiency, especially in energy level. It, is now the time the right timing? Is it just we have technology today that we didn't have yesterday? And here I talk about cloud capabilities, connectivity capabilities, also understanding what we want to try and achieve. Is it, are we in a, the perfect storm right now from a technical perspective and also the drive from, from the industry and from society to really absorb this and to take action? I'll start with you, Michaela, because I know that's a big question and I think we'll have input from everyone, but from, do we have tools at our disposal today that we didn't have yesterday that makes this possible? It's a, it's a great question. Uh, and I think, uh, in my view, we are at the turning point where we have uh, plenty of technologies out there uh, in terms of connectivity, in terms of data, AI, cloud. 
and, and they have been available for the last decade at least. And we have an extremely strong domain know-how within Siemens. And, um, and I think also with the acceleration with COVID and unfortunately with uh, the recent events around the world, um, there is demand, there is technology and there is know-how. And now our job is sort of to bring them all together in a meaningful uh, way for, for customers, but also for society in general. So from my point of view, this is the perfect time. And uh, when you look at the building industry, it has been a, a rather stable and uh, a slowly developing industry for many years. Uh, and now all of a sudden, thanks to the technology, thanks to the, uh, as, as mentioned, the recent uh, triggers, I think we are at a very uh, interesting point in time where we can make uh, we can scale all of these solutions that have been uh, top of mind uh, for the last few years so i think it is a very interesting time i think it's the right time uh, to to look into the, uh, these opportunities understand now, emma you know the sustainability side of the the conversation you also know the product side extremely well what are some of our challenges what are some of the things which are going to cause us uh, some extra effort cause us some slowdown over the next years when we try and push towards these goals? Well, I think uh, the, 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 the first challenge is, uh, is that um, we as an organisation um, and, and all of us, people, uh, tools and everything, we can, uh, we can uh, be fast enough. Uh, to cope with the challenges because you, you have seen um, uh, each time uh, the, 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 the forecasts are done for climate, they are worse kind of every year. And so the question is really, are we as an organization fast enough to cope with that? And, and also, are the regulators informing us ahead of time that we as an organization, as an industry can adapt uh, quickly enough, so uh, I think this is this is a, or, uh, uh, I would say a society uh, change. Some expectations are here, and also in the industry that that we can cope with the the pace. Speed, yeah. Speed's a really good question or, or a really good topic for us to talk about. And Elisa, when you are out there talking with customers and they're they're discussing this, how important is speed and and this regulatory push that we see within the industry? I think everyone is feeling the pressure and especially with the regulatory framework and changes, I'd say even more so because now everyone has to move. I think previously it was more uh, nice to have or even sometimes maybe a bit of brand washing we saw in terms of the topic of sustainability. But now everyone's really kind of starting to feel this pain as a society and as, as companies, as um, the individual decision makers, let's say, within these, these customers. So speed is very important. And I think that's where also cloud software is a great way to address these issues. Because Always you can actually, cloud. yeah, of course, I'm sales, <laughs> I, need to, <laughs> I need to say this. Um, but it is really like you can actually um, do something very quickly. You can start on that journey very quickly and it doesn't necessarily have to be a huge hardware investment or whatever you can you can start small and start on that journey and I think that's the 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 thing that our customers are also looking at that how can I even start you know they feel the pressure they feel the pain they look at the regulatory of uh, things that they need to comply with and they're like okay what do I do where do I start yeah. and I think the good news is that you can start small 
Yeah. It doesn't have to be this huge, huge avalanche of investments on one go. And it's a perfect connection to the topic that Michaela brought up before. Uh, we know that 10, 15% uh, of the buildings out there are already automated that have a lot of this great technology in it. We're talking our hospitals, our large commercial buildings. But if we want to have the level of impact that we need to as a society, as an industry, we need to, to bring that number up, which means we need to bring some of this great technology, some of these great insights, the transparency, the data-based reactions uh, and decision-making down to simpler and smaller buildings. Michaela, I'll start with you, but I think this is again a topic where we all have some input on how do we do that? Are we capable as an industry? I think we, we're getting there. So, um, first of all, uh, we need to democratize the access to this kind of uh, automation and uh, energy efficiency solution. If we really believe what uh, Emma was mentioning earlier, that these sustainability goals are important and we know that they are, uh, we need to make the technology uh, widely accessible for uh, all the different kind of buildings that are out there. So uh, when you look at, uh, at the solutions, of course, there are high-end solutions like for airports or very large commercial centers. But there are nowadays a growing uh, uh, amount of solutions that are also available for smaller buildings, which are much uh, simpler to set up. They are much uh, easier to configure and they also are in a different price range. And I think that's a really first practical step and, and they are available nowadays. And uh, I think the key change is in the mentality also of the customers, the building owners. In the past, you would make a one-time investment, uh, which would normally have a quite significant, uh, would be quite significant. Nowadays, you embark in a journey. So you maybe start simple. You can start from air. You can start from water. You can start from uh, heat or heat and cooling. Uh, you can start really small. And then as uh, things develop, as the technology develop, uh, you can grow your system in the building. Uh, I always like the example of air because I, am, uh, I often suffer from colds and so on. So I always am interested in air quality. So I think you can start from simply monitoring. Regulation demands it. Um, it is anyway good that you give transparency for your, for, to your tenants on the quality of air. And then you can move into optimization. And you don't need to do the investment in one time. You can do it in steps. And, um, and the beauty of it is that uh, with technology, Internet of Things, which is, uh, I think, now widely popular among uh, building owners, um, you can interconnect these things gradually. So you don't need to do everything at the same time. So the technology is there, the mentality is transforming, right? Um, I still think it will take a bit of time, but uh, uh, I see that uh, the industry is moving, right? And, and that's something that I think is uh, quite exciting. And again, it could help accelerate the uh, sustainability. I, I think that mindset conversation is a really important one. Um, we talk about scalability, we talk about not having to do everything at once, about taking that, that stepwise approach to things. Um, and Elise, you mentioned it before when there was this first wave of sustainability and it was almost brainwashing. Everyone jumped on board and said, hey, we want to be net zero or we want to make a reduction. But this is not an easy thing to achieve. Uh, Emma, a question for you, because you are, you are now driving this for, from an organisation uh, that, that you are, you're the director for, for this topic, for sustainability. And, and maybe it's safe to say if we went back 10 years ago, the, where you sit today and the responsibility you have maybe wouldn't have been there. How does this 
you, you are now driving this topic for an organization that has this pressure, that has this challenge, that's part of an industry that needs to make a mindset change. What does that look like from your perspective and how, how are you going about it to, to try and bring this change and this shift? Yeah, so I, w I would differentiate uh, actually two aspects. Um, so building products is for a long time active in uh, sustainability uh, offering, I would say. So uh, energy efficiency is a topic for a long time and we have now many new solutions uh, that are applicable also to, to many new types of smaller buildings, so kind of expanding the scope. So that would be the sustainability offerings, and, and for sure we, we, we continue on that track. This is really our daily business. The other side of it is really um, taking um, really the responsibility for the products by themselves. Um, so so I, I don't want if you want to don't yeah. know if you want to engage on, on that exactly. Ab absolutely, because yeah. this is already a shift, right? To to really exactly. start to so think if, about if this you, level. Yeah, if you if you consider uh, the building, we have seen there are possibilities to optimize the energy uh, efficiency, and this is about the interactions of the different components in the buildings and the, the, the transparency of the data, etc. And, and there is another uh, level. Uh, if we go deeper, uh, the granularity would be the, the component itself. So you take an actuator, controller, a valve, uh, uh, any kind of the devices that are necessary for, 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 the, for the offering, and you make a deep dive on them. They also have their carbon footprint. They also have their material footprint. And, and there we have to uh, also uh, reduce that as much as possible. So there is a, a big program that we drive. This is called Degree. Um, it is including um, decarbonization in our operations and it is also including decarbonization at the product level. We call that a robust eco-design. Mm -hmm. and, and this is really looking at, okay, we come back to the same topics, energy efficiency. So if, if your product is consuming energy over the 15 years of its lifetime, Obviously, it will be a big uh, contribution to, to the carbon footprint. Um, so we look, as you mentioned at the beginning, at the whole life of the product and, and identify where are the hotspots, where is my product uh, impacting the, uh, the environment the most. And uh, if we look at carbon change, uh, carbon, uh, carbon footprint, uh, climate change, um, so we have this uh, energy consumption, again, the same topic at, at component level, and we have many other aspects in the eco-design to influence uh, the, the carbon footprint. And we have another aspect, which is the material footprint, and that would be looking at really, okay, um, what kind of plastics are we using? What kind of metals are we using? Can we reduce uh, the number of materials that we're using? Can we uh, use pure materials? Can we use recycled materials? All this is supporting the circular economy and the fact that we are really uh, using less materials and, uh, and also uh, secondary materials that, uh, that come back into the, the, the material stream. And these are the efforts that we are driving to reduce both uh, the CO2 footprint and the material footprint uh, of our product. So you take that complete life cycle from a device level, yes. the products that we mean, as you mentioned, this, this uh, almost the, the entire industry that when we talk around building automation is built on, on 
energy efficient operation. Yes. But if we go the next level down, the actual devices that enable that, that take the action, that that operate within the rooms also have that, that footprint. So that taking that entire approach, this is not a simple thing, I assume. And when you start to look at everything from the the material impact, the logistics, the manufacturing, and then the operation over mm -hmm. 15 years. There's a challenge that comes with this naturally when we talk about all the different devices within the industry, but of course, just within building products. Yeah, absolutely. This is um, this is a challenge that, uh, I mean, we, we are used to this linear economy and, and the, the, the shift that we have to make is a huge one. And there are areas where this shift has taken place. If you take metals, for instance, it's a long time that we are recycling metals. I'm not saying uh, only <laughs> recycled metals are used, but um, there we have really uh, a, a critical mass for the material streams. That's not the case yet for, for, for plastics, for instance. And this is one of the efforts that, uh, that we are, that we are ha having right now. Elisa, for a company that has a huge focus, like building products and, and Siemens and Siemens Smart Infrastructure, where Emma is focusing, this is already a complex topic. And we're in the energy efficiency business somehow. What happens when we are talking to, to customers, when we're talking to the market, uh, for people who are not in this business? How do they manage this complexity? How do they, how do they start to, to push along this mindset change that uh, Michaela talked about? Yeah, let's be honest, they, they struggle a little bit because it is a mountain to, to climb and, and exactly they feel a bit confused and a bit maybe uh, overwhelmed as to, you know, what, what should I do? And how we try to then kind of take their hand in this journey is to say, start with the transparency. So this is the first thing to know what is your status quo. Then you know where you should maybe focus your efforts. And once you know where you should focus your efforts, you can look at the technology solutions, be it hardware, software, or whatever it is, or your process improvements that to actually create that impact. But if you do not know your starting point, if you do not know the status quo, you know, you're shooting in the dark and maybe you create some impact, but you don't even know how much impact you are creating. So, you know, in the in the end, it starts with this transparency topic. And, and I think this is what somehow helps also our customers to to start on this journey. So they're like, OK, now I know what to do first and then the rest will follow step by step. I will know what to do. Yeah. But yeah, start with transparency. Hey, it, it's a good place because, as you say, uh, you need to find momentum. On a topic like this that has so many moving parts, you have to start somewhere. So starting with transparency, understanding what's happening where within your organisation, even if we take this complete lifecycle approach, you find those hot spots or those red zones that you mentioned, Emma, uh, and you can take some action. Um, if we're talking about a large enterprise company, we're talking about a global business that has a dedicated resource or has a has an expert like you, Emma, can do this. Michaela, you mentioned smaller buildings. Uh, you mentioned simpler buildings. You mentioned 80% or 90% of the, the build stock that's out there today. Is, is this transparency step the same first step for everyone, whether it's an enterprise global business or whether it's a, a local building owner who who has eight apartments and, and just needs to start to, to adhere to regulation? Uh, it's, it's a very interesting question. I think uh, the, the key uh, commonality across all buildings is the data. So all of these buildings uh, generate, to a certain extent, a certain amount of data around, as we mentioned earlier, air, uh, heat, um, water, and so on. And so the first step is really to collect this data. And then, of course, uh, 
the first question that the customers or the building owners will, will, will ask is how much does it cost me to, <laughs> to get access to this data? And I think, uh, again, nowadays we have small IoT gateways for smaller buildings all the way up to uh, more sophisticated edge controllers. So I think uh, compared maybe to 10 years ago, there is a much wider um, portfolio of solutions available in the market to get started. And uh, I think conceptually, the access to the data is the same, but maybe the, the solutions are slightly different. Um, but as soon as you get transparency and you get the connectivity running, so you start to really have the things connected, uh, then th uh, it becomes a journey, right? Because from the data, as, as Elisa was mentioning, you can start to take decisions. Uh, maybe you want to focus on energy or maybe not even for the entire building, maybe just for a floor. Or, or you find out that your building is already efficient in one aspect and inefficient in another aspect. So I think the first step is really to get connected. And uh, for connectivity, I think today we are, we are, on, a good, we are on a good level. And um, yeah, and, and, and of, of course, as you engage in this journey, things can become more and more interesting, right? Uh, now with uh, the rise of AI, we have also a lot that we can offer to do optimization that was not available 10 years ago with the traditional building management system. So I would say it's a very good moment to start. Um, nevertheless, the mentality needs to be uh, to transform as well, and it will take some time. Hey, thank you so much, and thank you all for the great conversation. I'd like to finish with a little bit of insight from all of you. We've talked about the, the drive is there, the demand is there. Um, from a society level, from a regulatory perspective, energy is becoming more challenging, more, more expensive in some spaces. We, we also understand that we have... A speed challenge every year when we you know, last year we we're in Glasgow and we see the numbers this year we see the numbers again and, and they become more and more dire so we need to take action we need to have impact and and also we recognize that uh, the opportunity is there the, the time is right we have the technology digitalization is a core enabler for this uh, transparency and taking that stepwise approach is now possible or more possible today than it was five years ten years twenty years ago so it's the perfect storm. It's the perfect time. Uh, if, if you had to give one statement to those listening or watching us today, uh, if you had to give one statement on, on where should they focus, what should they do, how should they start this journey, this is what I'd be really interesting to hear from you from different aspects of, of, of this story, uh, of different points. So I'll start with you, Emma. Where would you, lucky you first, <laughs> uh, what would that advice be to, to those listening or watching? How do we start this? Where, where do we begin? Well, I, I would say it's continue. So I, I, I think the awareness on the decarbonization uh, has achieved uh, the largest companies uh, that have a big impact and, and, and must also at, uh, uh, attain the, the, the smaller companies that can also uh, take some activities to, uh, to reduce this uh, the, the CO2. So I think on the climate change, um, if you also talk to your friends, etc., it's it's kind of arrived, I would say. Um, but the second aspect about the material uh, streams and the circularity of the materials, I, I think. Um, Probably we need to do some more education, and so I'm very happy that uh, I have the occasion to, to speak about that topic. 
Um, if you look at um, the, the climate change and decarbonization, it's also a question of resource depletion. It's the depletion, finally, of oil, gas and, and the fossil fuels. So it's also a story of resource depletion, which I, we, we, we now need to, to transfer our understanding to also the other uh, materials, like the minerals, the metals, uh, plastics, which also mainly come from, uh, from the fossil fuels. So all, all the materials that we need to really think, okay, our waste is a, 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 an entry point for new product. And, and, and this is something uh, for us, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a challenge. And, and I would say for, for all of us, I mean, we have occasions in our private life to, to make it happen. But really, we have a big impact as an industry. And uh, so happy to share that idea with you. <laughs> Perfect. That's a great point. And I might inter interrupt that the, the next stage is, Michaela, because you work here on devices. Th this circular economy, this robust eco-design that Emma talks about, how much is that now part of you and your team thinking as you're, you know, we, we, we talk as an industry about, uh, ten, you know, hundreds of thousands of IoT devices uh, being bought online every year. And, and we can't, we can't do that without purpose. We can't do that without the consideration of this circular, this circular economy. How big of a, of a part, and I know Emma's listening, so you have to say the right thing, <laughs> but, but, but how much of a mindset shift is that for you? Uh, you know, with a group of PMs that you work together with who are developing products, uh, how, how does this fit in your mind and, and change the mindset? So first of all, Emma is helping us a lot. <laughs> Perfect. I like it. So, um, <laughs> um, it's a huge change because when, when we think about devices, we think about the devices and the building as a living being. So from the moment that they are manufactured, even before when they are designed, all the way uh, until the very end of their life cycle when they finally get... Uh, um, dismantled. dismantled and yeah. so on and, um, and we also think about the cost that they generate through their life cycle uh, I have one example that I always like to quote is the wireless example so we have uh, now wireless devices and uh, with wireless you don't need to buy cables or, or very less cables compared to the past so you're also reducing the footprint of the total solution the cables are normally quite expensive, they also have plastic and so on. So we, we start to think about the total life cycle, the total cost of ownership of these solutions. And this also affects the way we design, the way we engineer, the way the devices are installed. Uh, so it's a huge topic for us. And again, it's part of that uh, mentality transformation. And, uh, and I like to connect with your, to your point. I think it can be overwhelming for, for a customer or for an investor or for even someone outside the industry to figure out where to go, how to navigate. So my invite is always reach out. We have plenty of uh, people that are always interested to um, talk about uh, smart buildings, to talk about these solutions, and also to help the customers uh, navigate through the life cycle of these buildings. I really see them as living beings which is a bit different from maybe the way we were thinking about buildings 15, 20 years ago. Uh, it's a huge topic, and uh, every PM, uh, should uh, product manager, <laughs> for the ones listening, um, uh, here at Siemens is really thinking about the total story of these devices. So uh, um, it's a huge mentality shift, I think. 
Absolutely. Then thanks so much for that because I think that's an interesting point because it's not just you and your team, but it is also, you know, in an industry that often used to think one year past the building was completed. And as long as everything works for that first year, then everyone in the value chain up until that point goes awesome, everything's great. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm happy, I have my money, we move on. Uh, to start thinking about the, the early the early stages from a design, manufacturing, uh, logistics component perspective, and then also to 15 years, 20 years of operation, uh, is, is somehow that that mind, mindset shift for a huge amount of people. It's it's having a consideration beyond your direct scope, which is not natural. Yes, I think the connectivity is not only connectivity between things; it's also between connectivity in between humans and companies. For example, as soon as a device is connected, we can report on failures, um, issues in the field. And this also interconnects us more with the partners, with the customers. And, uh, and this interconnection right, will last, uh, ideally, through the entire life cycle. So it, the data is not just the data that the devices are exchanged. It's the data information that also uh, human beings will exchange between each, uh, each other. So I think uh, it's really a big, big shift compared to the way it was working in the past. Perfect. And that's also a great, uh, a great thing to add. You know, d data by itself is not worth anything. Um, it's fun, maybe, technically, to collect, but if we don't use it for anything or no one knows what it is and where it is and what they can do with it, uh, it doesn't add a lot of value. So this is a good uh, addition as well. But I come back to my last question, Michaela, for you. Uh, if you had one or two uh, topics to highlight for, for those out there listening or watching and you wanted to, to bring that point, perhaps you've already covered them, but I'll ask you to repeat if, if that's the case. What would you like to highlight? What's important and where do we start on this journey? Yeah, I think, uh, the, first of all, uh, there are plenty of ways to get started. And we can help uh, customers, partners, pretty much uh, all the different entities that, are, uh, some sort of, uh, that have some sort of involvement with the building. So we can help to get, start, to get you started. So uh, reach out. Uh, we have plenty of medias, plenty of ways to connect with customers. This is also something new. Right, And the second is to um, realize that there are nowadays many more solutions. And therefore, um, ask yourself, what is the easiest way for you to get started? And most likely, there's going to be a solution that fits with the wish that you have, which is a big difference. Right Now you have so many options. There must be most likely one that, you, that can fit with the way you want to get started. And get started with something that is familiar to you. I mentioned uh, several times, but air is a very good topic to start. Or uh, heat and cooling is also a very good topic to start. Um, transparency is another good topic. So um, start with something that is familiar and embark on the journey rather than to try to make a big one-time investment. That's a very strong recommendation that I, I give to, to many customers and partners. Uh, change your investment horizon to smaller and more frequent investments rather than to try to have a one quantum leap at the same time. So feel free to reach out and uh, embark in the journey in, in smaller steps. I think that's my main two takeaways. <laughs> Perfect. And every journey is a lot of small steps. I see how excited Emma gets every time you mention air because this is something very close <laughs> yes. to her heart from a damper actuator and an air control perspective. Uh, Elisa, same question to you. Uh, if you had that advice, you had that topic you'd like to highlight, uh, what would it be and, and how would you, you bring that to the audience who are listening or watching? 
So maybe to add on what Michele was saying, because I, I wholeheartedly agree, I think, you know, our customers, they look at return on investment. So it's always about ROI. And I think there we need to also be a little bit broader in our thinking. It's not only the cost impact, it's also the cost impact that you get when you actually optimize your, your building. But it's also about the environmental impact. It's about the brand impact, uh, employee, employer branding impact. So there's a lot of different ways to kind of calculate if you have to calculate the return on investment. So ROI is definitely a main, main driver. And then I always remind our customers of the other ROI, which is the risk of inaction. If you don't start on that journey now, what then? Where will you be in five years or 10 years? Where will, where will the world be in, in five or 10 years, right? So, so really, again, like Michele said, start on that journey and really not only focus on what you can put in an Excel in terms of quantitative numbers. That's important, but that shouldn't be the only driver. You also should look at the risk of inaction. Perfect. Uh, to summarize, the risk of inaction, uh, taking a different view on that return on investment, understanding not just the cost impact of today, but what happens in the future, taking those small steps, starting the journey somewhere and walking through and also having conversations. I think, I think we can safely say that as we, we take this, this life cycle approach like Emma described, this means that there are more stakeholders we need to have conversations with. We need to talk more and more. And whether that's talking with, uh, with Mikella and his team, we'll make sure that you have the opportunity to do so. Your inbox might be, inbox might be full. But, but having the opportunity and ensuring that you do talk uh, and ask questions and take those first steps. And then, of course, Emma, as you mentioned, expanding that, that view, uh, changing the mindset, looking from the components, the, the materials, the logistics, the operation, and then the, the, this circular economy approach all fits together. Thank you so much. Emma, Michaela, Lisa, this was great fun. Easy for me because I can sit back and listen. But thank you so much for joining us and thank you for being involved uh, and, and, and donating your time and your energy and your expertise to this very special 150th episode. Thank you thank so you. much. Thank you. It was a pleasure for me and I hope also a pleasure for everyone out there. So thank you also for joining us. Thank you for supporting us and being with us over these last 150 conversations. This is a special one. I'm sure it's not the last time that we'll see some of the faces here and also not the first time for some of the faces here on the couch with me today. But we're really excited about continuing this journey together with you to learn more and spread knowledge and have these kinds of conversations together. So thank you again. Remember to share, like, comment on this episode, tell your friends, tell everyone and look out every other week or so for a new conversation where we talk about these dif different kinds of industry trends, technology trends, and also societal trends, which are driving the, the forward steps, the journey within our industry. So thank you very much, and we'll see you soon.